Why do you love it so much? I think if you own your own business, you have to be prepared to take risks. Being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Yep, so if you're struggling, just stop and pause and, and really reflect on why am I struggling here. But I've also worked really hard and telling me it's luck, I think, just takes away some of that recognition of the hard work. One last question. Welcome to Tea with the Queen, a show where I talk with some of my favourite go-getters, inspiring and courageous women in leadership and business. I'm your host, Emma McQueen. I'm a business coach, executive coach, author and speaker. And for 20 years, I've been working with women to unlock their potential and get paid their worth while doing work they love. Who doesn't love flowers? We all do, don't we? There's something we love to have around the house or office or anywhere really. And so it's a commodity that is always in demand. When COVID-19 hit last year, Kelly Brown had already established her flower business, Petal Provador. The fact she had no physical store, she sold her flowers and bouquets all online, was just as well, as other retailers had to shut shop for a significant time when Melbourne went through a hard lockdown. Kelly tells me how she left the corporate world and with a leap of faith, launched her online business. And later, she has tips for those who are thinking of doing the same. I hope you enjoy this chat. So Kelly, thank you for joining us on the podcast. I'm very excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. Tell me, what were you doing before you started Petal Provador? Before I started Petal Provador, I was a disability support worker and I worked in the disability sector for, I think it was 24 years, so long time. Wow. Wow. What made you start your own flower business? I wanted to. I um I always wanted to be a florist when I was when I was in high school it was you know year 11 and 12 HSC time and we had to decide you know well what are you going to do and I either was going to be a florist I thought well, I could go get an apprenticeship and, and do floristry or I could and I always loved working with people with a disability my family had been part of a uh, a program called Interchange. It's still around, but I don't know if anybody is familiar with it, but it's where a, a host family takes in a child with a disability for one weekend a month to give the um, to give the parents a break. So we had done that from the time I was in primary school and we had uh, two families over the, the time that we did it and I loved it and I loved loved interacting with the, with the families and uh, helping people with a disability have, have a good life. So that was an interest that I had and I thought, well, I could do that for a job. And I just applied for university and got in. So I did a Bachelor of Applied Science, majored in intellectual disabilities. And from there, just got a job in a community residential facility. And I just took off. That's, you know, it's just what I did. And I gave floristry not even another thought after that. I always loved it, though. I loved buying flowers and I loved doing you know, picking flowers out of the garden and making an arrangement. I was buying flowers. When I got married, I made my own bouquets. When I look back at them now, they're terrible. <laughs> really, I really wanted to do it. <laughs> um, so what made you do the shift? I was burnt out. Yeah, just burnt out. I, I was just done with it. And with the introduction of the NDIS and the uncertainty around it all, where I was working at the time and, and all my friends and colleagues in the industry, nobody really knew how it was going to look at the end of it. And I was just tired. I needed a change. I needed I needed to do something else. And I've always had that little creative 
spark. I always want to do stuff that's more on the creative side. And this way I could do it. I actually, I started up a, um, I was working in a, in a day facility at the time and I, I had started up a program with a group of ladies, these beautiful women who, <laughs> there was three out of the three of the women in, in at the centre I was working loved flowers. And so I sucked in the local florist around the corner to give us all their, all their dead flowers, all their stuff that they were going to throw away, stuff that they couldn't sell anymore. So and we'd go and pick them up and do a, like a little flower course on a Friday afternoon with these, these women who loved flowers too, and they'd make things. And, and that's when I, when I resigned from my job, my husband said, well, what are you going to do now? And I said, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he said, well, you always wanted to be a florist. Why don't you pursue that? And I said, no, nah, I'm too old. Anyway, I sulked for about six weeks thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Then I looked into it. Once I did some research, I realised I'm not too old. I, you know, you don't have to go and be an apprentice at the age of 40. You can, you can do courses. You can, yeah. And so that's what I did. I picked myself up and enrolled and went back to school at the age of 40, 42, I think I was. I don't want to give away how old I am. But, uh, yeah, so I did a 12 months full-time at TAFE and um, did work experience at a few local florists and an event florist and, yeah, just learned as much as I could and I really threw myself into it and um, I loved it. And I always, always wanted to be my own boss. I didn't want to go and work for somebody else. I thought, no, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have complete control, creative control, just, yeah, everything. And so that's that's what I did. So yeah, it's been a huge, big learning curve, but yeah, don't regret it. Not not at all. You're never too old. That's what I say. So I take it you don't suffer from hay fever. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Although I did the other day when it was windy, and um, yeah, everything made my eyes run. But no, flowers don't make me sneeze. But some stuff irritates me. Like these certain foliages, they give me a rash, and I'll come away with rash all up my arms. And um, and then there's a particular foliage that I can't stand the smell of and I won't use it at all. <laughs> well, you have that choice when you own your own business, don't you? But you you don't have a shop as such. You're all online, right? So how do you – tell me for our audience, because I think I know this, but how do you deliver the flowers? Uh, you know this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I used to deliver all my flowers myself, but I've since this year one of um, – the biggest things, the biggest challenges I've had to face is, is getting somebody, trusting somebody to deliver my flowers for me. So, yeah, I use a variety of couriers. But like today, for example, my daughter's delivering all my flowers for me. So she's got my van and I've loaded it all up. She's got the deliveries, all the numbers, everything like that. And so she knows what I expect. <laughs> <laughs> the, condi- the condition in which I expect my flowers to arrive is, you know, very important. Because I have seen, especially when I've done my own deliveries in the city, I'll see a, a, a car pull up and a career driver get out with the squash little or a tipped over just you know I want my want my paper to be all pristine still and my yeah nothing spilt or broken or snapped and you know if you some career companies don't take the care that others do so anyway yeah I found somebody my business coach Hmm. Uh, pushed me to find somebody who I could trust and I think I've managed to do that. I've got a little team of people now that I can call on when I um, can't do them myself, which is most days these days, yeah. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Tell me, who do you cater for? Who's your target market? Sort of everybody. Well, I say that, but it's not. Um, Who's my target market? Well, I don't do a lot of weddings, but I do do some. Um, you know, small weddings, I, I can do no problem. I mostly do um, 
before COVID happened that I mostly did corporate and gift stuff. So offices and um, schools, real estate agents, that kind of thing. You don't just do flowers. You do these beautiful hampers as well. So it's not just flowers. It's also a range of hampers, which I know has been, and maybe that's going to be your answer to my next question, which is, has COVID interrupted your business at all? Well, it did for the first week. So the first lockdown, when all the officers said, we can't come in, we don't need your flowers, the, um, where everybody just said, we don't need your flowers. It, I was pretty much one of the first luxury items to, to go. And I thought, that's it, I'm done. I'm done, diddly done for. But um, after that, once everybody realised that, oh, actually flowers can still be delivered, the shop might be shut or, or whatever, Then, and a lot of shops did shut because I was online only. It was I just kept on going business as normal. But I realised that there was a, a, a little gap in the market from my own perspective is that, you know, I, I was only really offering flowers and a few little other additional items. So I thought, how about I add in some extra gift products and that's what I did. So I created all these beautiful hampers and got behind other small businesses as well who were creating lovely products who normally did markets but markets were a no-go. So I was putting them together in gift boxes with flowers. So you get flowers and candles and chocolates and cocktails, wine, beauty products, hand and body lotion, all these things and, and baby products as well. So just to try and accommodate every possible scenario I could think of where people would normally see each other and, and physically give somebody a gift or they'd normally go out or something along those lines. Instead, people started sending gifts. You know, I can't see you for your birthday. I can't see you, you know, because the baby's been born. All the usual reasons that we gather instead of people going out for dinner or doing whatever, they, they were sending gifts with beautiful, beautiful card messages. And so, and to, to stick some a lovely little posy of fresh flowers in there as well, just... They were all just a match made in heaven and they all look so beautiful together and, you know, and I take so much pride in, in you know, making sure that every product that goes in, you can see it, you know, at the end so that the end product is beautiful and they've been so well received, everybody loves them. So I'm really pleased and proud that I was able to do that. Yeah, they've gone gangbusters, haven't they, really? They have gone gangbusters, yeah, it's been really good. Yeah, I love that. Tell me, do fashions, you know how they say fashions come and go, is it the same with flowers? <laughs> yep. <laughs> sure <laughs> Talk is. to me about that. <laughs> well, the trend in the 90s, of course, was the gerberas, whereas there's a term in the industry now called the dirty gerbs because you just you almost don't want a dirty gerber in your, in your bouquet. <laughs> Nobody likes them. So they're on the nose at the minute. Some people still love them, but they're they're on the nose. But the the current fashion is the preserved and dried flowers. I don't know if you've seen those all over Instagram and everything. They're they're dried, bleached, and then preserved, and then sometimes dyed as well. So you'll see these arrangements, and they'll have like a big head of hydrangea, but it'll be uh, just a colour that hydrangeas don't grow. But it's been first, it's been dried, then it's been preserved then it's been bleached <laughs> so it can be bright white but it, they call them everlasting flowers so right yep so they're the they're the current trend I personally not a massive fan of them I don't dislike them but I don't I don't really use them a lot I would prefer just a natural you know beautiful dried banksy or a protea that's dried and left in its natural state that's I'd, I'd prefer that than, but they do look nice the, you know 
that means that especially when flower supplies were low, having those those dried and preserved options were 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 great. So yeah, people could still send flower floral gifts to to people and not and people could invest in in buying that stock and know that it wouldn't die. That's the other thing. But they are they're really it's really expensive stuff. I'm with you a bit. I don't love the dried flowers. And the thing I love about your flowers, and I know we've had many conversations about this, the thing I love about your flowers is that they're pretty unique. And given that you don't travel all over Melbourne, I had to find another florist to um, get some flowers delivered quite recently. And the recipient was stoked and they sent me a picture of the flowers and the flowers looked like they could have sat on the top of a coffin. And I was... (laughs) devastated and um so you know and it really makes me appreciate the art of floristry and also the talent that you bring to your flowers as well because they've just got a little twang of uniqueness which I love tell me what would you recommend to snazzy up a room in a house do you know what I reckon you can't go wrong if you do things en masse so don't just get one bunch of tulips, get five and put five <laughs> bunches of tulips. <laughs> you know, support the, the local growers um, and get, yeah, get five bunches of tulips and pop them in a big vase and tulips on mass, even once they grow up and they're wild and they, they grow towards the light so they'll go all wonky and work all over the place, that's great. So, yeah, anything you get, get it on mass. That's, it's hard to make a big bunch of the one thing look bad. You know, if, if you're going to do it yourself, if you try and, you know, fiddle around with things and 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 make an arrangement if you don't know what you're doing it's it might not look any good but if you just do a whole heap of the one thing then it's hard to make that look bad the other thing is foliage too so I love foliage and depending on the season I mean there's some just beautiful foliages I get a lot of it you know and get big tall stuff get if you you see a beautiful gum tree or a beautiful smoke like smoke bush is amazing those purple leaves they're so good and even just a big monstera plants you know the monsteras the swiss cheese yes leaves well they're and they're really fashionable at the minute talking about fashions yeah the the monstera plants are really fashionable but a few just big monstera leaves in a vase will not only last for months it'll probably grow roots and you'll get a plant out of it so it's that can look amazing in a vase actually that's what i've got on my dining table at the minute is because i had to prune my monstera so i cut all the leaves off and put it in a vase and here they are sitting Pretty. Oh, I love that. So basically what you're saying as a practical tip is if you're going to buy a bunch, buy five and just have them all over the place. That's what you're basically saying to our audience, isn't it? Yeah, or put all five bunches in one vase on in the one spot because <laughs> it looks beautiful. <laughs> it looks great. Just a big on, on mass, just a big, you know, think of the big bowl of roses looks amazing. Yeah, looks better than oh, one. I love one, that. That's perfect. <laughs> I love it. I love your um, knowledge about it as well. It's just awesome. Tell me, what's been the, one of the biggest learning curves that you've had with running your own business? Because you've come really out of a, a different sector and so you've had to learn everything from scratch. What's been the biggest learning curve for you? I would think the biggest, I mean, it's all, all of it, I'd have to say, learning an art form that I until then had only just admired and never practically used. So that was that was big. That whole year at TAFE learning all those things was huge. And, and of course, you never stop learning either. I'm still learning new skills and things every single day. Um, I think the the website, that was, I think that's that's been the biggest learning curve, understanding 
SEO, understanding what a product field was, what, you know, so I could make changes to my own website, understanding what what all the terminology meant. And I said, I, I hardly know any of it, but I know enough now. And, and it took me so long to get my head around all that. It just was all gobbledygook to me. And yeah, I think that's been, that's been the biggest thing. That's other than learning how to create flowers, understanding the SEO and the website, the technical side of things, that's been the biggest thing. Yeah. And when you first start out in business, they're the things that you do on your own to save cash. You're not outsourcing those things. If you had your time over though, would you outsource those things once you understood it? And will you outsource those things? Can you see where I'm going with outsource, outsource, outsource? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Well, it's funny because when I began, I outsourced the entire web design process. I didn't do any of that myself. And it was only after it was up and running and established that I wanted to understand it more. So, because anytime I wanted to do anything down to adding a new product or making something unavailable for the day, I had to get someone to do that for me. That involved either making a phone call, sending a message or sending an email, waiting for the response and then, you know. So, and that's how it started for me. It was wanting to be able to do those few little things myself purely to be efficient. And then I got interested in it. And so, and it's been great. So now if I want to add a new product, once I've got the photography done, I can whack a new product on my website and I can have that up within half an hour, um, whereas before yeah, it would have taken a Such a go-getter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, such a go-getter. <laughs> as far as outsourcing that, I do. Anything that is beyond those basic things like changing a date, putting up a product, anything beyond that, I just I have a lovely girl called Carly. She's in Sydney, which is um, and my sister-in-law put me onto her, but she's fantastic and I could just send her a text or shoot her an email and she's on it like that. So I, I do because, look, I, I certainly know my limitations, but um, I do outsource. I could outsource more. I see where you're going with that question, yeah. <laughs> I know, just a little prod <laughs> even on the podcast. <laughs> I don't get off my back. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, if you want results, you come to Emma McQueen. But I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so tell me, has starting your own venture, have, running your own business, learning a new thing, has it been stressful? The first year I found really stressful. I found the, um, and I remember talking to a girlfriend of mine who runs her own business and we met up one day and, I, and she was giving me all her little tips on how to run how to run a small business. And I said to her, will the anxiety ever go away? And she said, no, <laughs> it won't. Oh, it was, I know, but it, it, it has, it has. I don't. I'm not as stressed by everything as I was when I first started. And I was stressed because I was convinced that how I started was going to define how the business ended, if you know what I mean. So I thought I must be perfect from the get-go. And that was completely ridiculous and unreasonable. When I look back on on how I operated and the things I did in in that first six months, yeah, I've come I've come such a long way. Just yeah, the way I run my days, the way I deal with everything has, has become almost unrecognisable. So it was it was very stressful to begin with. It still gets stressful now if I have a really busy day, but a lot of that is pressure that I put on myself uh, to be perfect and for every single thing to be absolutely perfect. It's just my standards are really high, I guess. I don't want anything to, to be half-assed. So I want it all to be, um, to be perfect. And, and so that's me putting stress on myself. Yeah, and it's so interesting because when you first started, you started 
with flowers as a florist and then you just evolve because you need to have other products available and now you're moving into the hamper space as well. Did you ever think that you would be in the hamper space? Did you kind of start a florist and go, I'm going to do flowers only and then, or did you always think I'm going to expand once I've understood that and got that under my belt? I don't know that I put any thought into that at all. I um, I always had just a little gift hamper option on the website, but it only had like three things in it and and I just didn't push it. It was just there as an And it was literally all, it was, I had some candles in stock and chocolates that I, I sold as, as an addition, as in like an add-on to the flowers. I, and I pretty much just put, if you want, I can put them in a box for you. That was literally my <laughs> gift hamper option. <laughs> so inventive but I did begin thinking that I would just do flowers and that's it and with a few little gift items on the side so it has taken a little unexpected turn but the other thing that took an unexpected turn and now has turned backwards is is the flower crowns like I use not so much now because of COVID but this time last year and in previous years just from springtime right up until Christmas I'm just, all my weekends are spent making flower crowns for baby showers hens parties um, spring racing carnival, all those things. And I never imagined that they would be so popular when I first started. I assumed I'd be making mostly little posy jars and that's it. But it's, yeah, flower crowns and um, now gift hampers have been one of my most popular things. And they were, yeah, certainly not what I imagined when I started. Yeah, I love that. And tell me, what's a typical day for you? Typical day for me. Well, today other than doing this, has been a pretty typical day, I guess. So I got up early. I needed some fresh supplies. Um, I had some, but I needed more to finish off the orders that I had. So I had my brekkie and I jumped off. I went, I put some stuff that needed an early delivery. A customer wanted something before a specific time. And I don't normally guarantee a, a delivery time because, you know, it's very hard to do that. But um, a customer needed something at a specific time. So I went, all right, I can do that first thing in the morning. So I, I went to do that, went to the flower market, stocked up, came back, made up all the orders that had already come in and um, continued to come in throughout the morning, made, printed out my cards and um, loaded them into the van. And normally it would be sent off with a courier. Sometimes I do some myself if they're, if I'm, if I haven't got a very busy day and they're all local, then um, I don't mind spending half an hour in the car driving around doing that. But other than that, a very wise woman told me that my time could be, uh, better spent doing other things so yeah that's that's been today so normally um I would uh then spend the afternoon prepping things for tomorrow but it's Friday so I'm not I've got to go clean up my pigsty that I've left downstairs um and then <laughs> beautiful yeah but I still I then I look at um what orders I've got for Monday um if I need to put in a flower order with the supplier do that make sure I've got everything I need I know I've run out of certain bars at the minute so I'm gonna have to order those this afternoon and hopefully I'll hopefully I can pick them up tomorrow um you know it never stops does it when you've never got your own business especially yeah. a business like yours it just never stops you still need to you know need to make sure you got the right stock and if you can't get the right stock because you know COVID sucks you have to figure out an alternative and you know like it just never bloom and stops does it yeah it's true I do sometimes feel like I'm chasing my tail in in that way so 
because some of my supplies, like one of my candle suppliers, has been completely out of wax. And so I had to, um, so they couldn't make any more candles. And so I needed to find myself another candle supplier, which which I did. And and then, you know, so that's good. I've got those and I'm still waiting for the else. And then I'll have extra candles. And then I ordered some of these baby products, which um, are good. And then, but I had to wait a little while for those to arrive. And in the meantime, one of the other baby products in a different colour has run out in the meantime. So yeah, my shipment arrived yesterday and then I went to put them all away and went, oh my goodness, I am out of the grey. <laughs> How did that happen? So it'll be another order. And so it is, it's just constantly going through the stock and, and turning it all over. But that's all right. I don't mind. Tell me, what um, what advice would you give anyone who's listening, who's thinking of starting their own venture? It doesn't have to be a florist, but you know, they're just, maybe they're 40 and they're like, I can't do this anymore. I need to do something that I love. What would you tell them? You can do it. There's no reason why you can't. Just, just do it. Do your research. I think that's that's a thing. And research is more than just looking on Facebook or Instagram as well. You know, you've got to go and talk to some people who have already done it and in that industry. Because I know when I wanted to do this, I went and spoke to a whole bunch of local florists and just went in and said, hi. <laughs> so, you know, I'm really thinking of a career change. You know, what what should I do? And most of them recommended floristry. They said, yeah, yeah, it's great. You'll love it. It's really hard work, blah, blah, blah. But I've never been afraid of hard work. So that didn't bother me so much. But I think if, because sometimes what you think about an industry is not the reality of it. So go and speak to some people who actually do it and have, you know, either done it for a while or whatever. But yeah, find out what they what they think and what the, what the drawbacks are and what the positives are as, as well. Do you know how many people do not do that simple commonsensical thing of going and talking to people in the industry that they'd like to work in? Best tip ever. Well, it's getting the information from the horse's mouth. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Because the overwhelming um, piece of information that I got from talking to everybody was that it's hard work. And so many people say to me, and they say now, oh, it must be so nice to play with flowers all day. Oh, yeah, it's real nice. It's not playing with flowers. It, you know, my hands are always green and, um, you know, my feet always hurt. And, yeah, I'm on my feet all day, every day. I lift heavy buckets. I've always got a thorn or a scratch or a cut. I mean, look. You can see my finger. There's something wrong with me. <laughs> There's always something. It's it's physically demanding and exhausting. But because I came from the disability sector, I was used to that. It's, yes. that it's not yeah, like I came from a desk job where I sat down all the time. So th- the fact that it was physically hard work didn't put me off at all. What about if someone wants to start their own venture but they don't have any business skills? What would you say to them? I didn't have any. <laughs> could be argued that I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> but what would you say to them? Just, you can still do it. You just get get some advice, get some help, get a coach. <laughs> I know a good one. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions. And there is no stupid questions, And though I've asked my fair share of stupid ones. But, yeah, just ask, 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 ask. Learn, learn, learn. And don't think you can't. Why, if, I mean, if I can do something, anyone can. So Bless it, <laughs> it's yeah I mean I've not been blessed with the uh with the business brain that some people have but I've got the common sense and I think if you've got common sense then you can the yeah and if somebody's prepared to tell you right you got to do this you got to do that you got to and these are your obligations make sure you meet them you go all right I'll do that I'll write yeah, it down yeah, totally. write it down write it down but yeah you, you've got to seek the knowledge from people who know and then when they can let them help you help you so Kelly, where can people find you? You can find me online at www.petalprofidor.com.au. So it's 
Providore spelled P-R-O-V-E-D-O-R-E, so not I-D-E-D. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that. One of the things that I loved about our coaching session, and this was when just as COVID had hit, is that you were talking to me about why there is a flower shortage and what that meant for the supply chain and all those other stuff. And I just learned so much from having that conversation with you. And it really made me realize that, holy crap, this woman knows what she's talking about and uh, made me really appreciate the lengths that you need to go to to ensure decent flowers and decent flower supply. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. It's been awesome to hear about your journey. And for our audience listening, I reckon they'd be sitting there going, wow, if she can move industries and create her own venture, why can't I? So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That's Kelly Brown. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you love this episode, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And you're very welcome to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us with promoting the podcast for others to listen to inspirational topics on leadership and business. And if you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au.